it's over 9,000! Welcome, Super Elite Warriors, to Final Forum, a podcast for the discussion of all things Dragon Ball. I am your host, Jelly, an elite recruiting member of the Frieza Force, on a mission to find the best warriors from across the galaxy to join the greatest army of all time. And I am joined, as always, by my new recruit co-host. This is the bikini. The bikini today, is it? Yes, it is. Okay, then. Can you input the coordinates for our next destination into the nav computer, the bikini? Yes, I can. Ah, yes, listeners, I should mention the ear slug that went into bikini's head has yet to leave. So he's been rather docile and unopinionated since then. Isn't that right, bikini? Yes, docile and unopinionated. Exactly. On the downside, none of my insults or attempts to get a rise out of him seem to be doing anything other than landing on his blank, emotionless face with no reaction. But on the plus side, he's much more agreeable now. Aren't you, Bikini? Yes, much more agreeable. Excuse me, I have to go die. That slug must have hold of your speech center, Bikini, because you meant go to the bathroom, right? Yes, the bath room <laughs> well while bikini is going to the bathroom i'll type up my report to lord frieza nothing of note on seti yz3 ear slugs that make people docile slaves not as efficient as frieza force techniques for subjugation and control may need yet another new recruit uh, would be fourth one in six weeks Perhaps send more easily replaceable recruits. Dangerous missions, recruits unprepared for dangers. Current recruit likely having brain devoured by ear slug. Stupid enough to put slug up to head in the first place. Planet uninhabitable, not useful for trade or sale, except maybe as prison planet. Oh, Bikini, you're, you're back. Looking better. Because I ever looked bad before? Feeling better too, it seems. You seem disappointed. Oh, no, 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 not not disappointed, just just surprised. Well, I had to die, but it's okay now. You keep saying die instead of use the bathroom. Right, uh, sorry about that? It's okay, Recruit, maybe one day you'll learn the difference. Just like maybe one day, Goku will learn he's a Saiyan. 
And today we'll get into our we'll get into our uh, our topic of discussion for today. Today we're going to be talking about uh, not about Goku being a Saiyan necessarily per se. Uh, today we're going to talk about Shenron. We're going to talk about dragons and wishing and all that good stuff. We'll kick it off. I'll kick it off real quick with an episode of re- recap of eleven and I'll say twelve and a half ish because there's a significant thing that happens at the end of episode 12 i mean if you're watching it along with us you know what these things are but it's not really relevant to our topic of discussion but so episode 11 is a little bit of filler and then kind of gets us towards what we've been driving at for the last 10 episodes up to this point so we get a little bit of filler of well actually before we get the filler we get Pilaf going to uh, try and get the Dragon Ball that Goku still has on his body from them because they're you know trapped in their in their little it's like a little cell that they're trapped in. Bulma taunts Pilaf so he pulls her out and he says he's gonna torture her and he blows her a kiss. To him, that's like the most revolting thing you could do. And Bulma's like, "That's it. I I could think of way worse." So that's just a. <laughs> That's a pretty funny. And then he's like disgusted by her. Yes, yes, I, I understand, and I, you know, I haven't read the manga yet, but I understand in the manga he basically is like, "I'm gonna do something really dirty to you," and she's like, "Oh, I thought you were gonna," and then she like lists off a bunch of terms of like, "I thought you were gonna like bounce my boobs or pinch my butt or do this," and like he's like mortified because she knows all the terms, <laughs> but so. Bulma doesn't give up the goods because obviously blowing a kiss at someone is not torture at all. Uh, So Pilaf sends them to be punished. And the punishment is, is this pinball game that, that he has them play. This is the part that's complete filler, but I do just want to very, very briefly talk about it uh, right after I finish recapping this. Then they come back. They're back almost basically right where they are. So the Pilaf gang decide to use gas. They knock out our heroes. They go. They collect the seven Dragon Balls. And now they've got them. They're going to call forth the dragon. As they call forth the dragon, Goku's able to blow a little hole in the side of the holding cell through which Puar and Oolong escape. Um, They turn themselves into bats and escape. They then rush to try to stop Pilaf from making his wish. As the dragon appears... Everything comes together, and Pilaf says, I would like to wish for, and Oolong runs in and says, a pair of panties. So, as as Toriyama has been building up this epic wish, which, yes, some people have decided to wish for some slightly silly things, like a boyfriend, which is silly, but maybe significant, you know, a lifelong companion type of thing, uh, Pilaf obviously wants to rule the world, and you can let your own mind wander with what you would want to wish for. We get the punchline of this this 12 episodes is panties, and they flop on Oolong's head, and now Pilaf is enraged. So he collects everyone and throws them into his I call it execution. solar oven. Uh, okay, solar oven's a really good term for it. I was going to say execution chamber, but yeah. It's a solar oven is a really good term. He's got everyone. They're stuck in there. When the sun comes up in the morning, it's going to bake them and kill them. I think we'll leave it there for now because then we'll recap the rest of it. And then episode 13 on our next on our next episode. But like I said, briefly, the pinball I just want to talk about. 
even though it is filler, it's actually potentially inspired. We're not sure about this, but you know, if you actually go and watch the two, and we'll post the 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 video on our on our socials, uh, it's potentially inspired by Elton John's performance in the rock opera movie Tommy, where he faces off against the pinball wizard. It's the song Pinball Wizard. Even you, like I said, we're gonna post the video to our social, but the outfit that Elton John is wearing in that is striking. And it might even have inspired the design of Pilaf in general. Remember, Toriyama, A, likes to watch a lot of movies and TV, and B, likes to watch them while he's working. So he could have had just something on, and that came on somehow. And he went, oh, that's funny, and like designed a character around it. It's entirely possible. But it's basically, it's Elton John wearing a somewhat similar outfit, but like a very, very similar beanie to Pilaf. And he is playing pinball while using piano keys to control the ball. Uh, it's like one of the most iconic scenes of the movie Tommy. And certainly it's one of the most iconic songs. It's the Pinball Wizard song. So that's just kind of interesting. Yeah, that's pretty fun. I didn't I didn't actually know that. So let's dig in a little bit more on Shenron. Shenron is pretty much an exact replica of a Chinese a traditional Chinese dragon, a Shenlong, as it were, which literally means spirit dragon and is the type of dragon associated with wind and rain. Shenlong are born from pearls in the river after gestating for 3000 years. While in Western culture, dragons represent greed and gluttony, the East views dragons as water creatures associated with good fortune, especially in agriculture. And given China being mostly like agrarian society, uh, dragons became intertwined with rain and weather and then ultimately thunder, lightning and darkened skies. So because of this association and their, their elemental identity, they also wind up being associated with light, sun and moon, uh, celestial bodies in general. And they're often depicted alongside either guarding or eating fiery orbs. Right, so you can see how some of that imagery plays completely into Shenron. Uh, also, Toriyama is always playing with language in Dragon Ball. Something that, you know, kind of by nature gets lost in translation. He'll use borrowed Western words and phrases. He'll write some words in kanji, hiragana, and katakana. My very basic understanding of those is that kanji is a little more pictographic. It is the more old-school Japanese language. There's something like 3,000 characters in kanji that can all mean different things, and they're all kind of made up of different... They call them radicals, I believe. Like I said, they, it's basically making a picture of what you want to say. Hiragana is more phonetic. It's more of an alphabet. I think there's... Dude, I can be corrected on this by somebody eventually, I'm sure. I think there's like 40-some characters or something in hiragana. Uh, it's, like I said, it's the more phonetic way to use more traditional Japanese words. It's kind of a language for every man. And then katakana is used more readily to show loan words and loan phrases and foreign words and foreign languages. So if you see something and it's in katakana, your brain is supposed to think immediately that it's that it's foreign. Uh, but but Toriyama uses these these different texts to very quickly show his readers which words are more old-fashioned, which words hold a little bit more weight, which ones are newer, which ones are loan words, which ones are supposed to be funny, just at a glance. Uh, this tells his target audience, you know, what words are like traditional, foreign, or contemporary. And Shenron 
is very, very traditional. Everything about him is supposed to clue readers in immediately that he's a being of great power and ancient and and great great importance his name is written in an older kanji i believe and his speech words and patterns are also very old school uh, the the obvious assumption with the speech patterns thing is if you're looking at dragon ball and you're thinking oh toriyama was always inspired by disney he uses anthropomorphic animals you know oolong puar that's like a, a bird not a bird uh, a cat and a pig that can talk so of course the dragon can talk but Shenron would probably be able to speak even if Dragon Ball didn't humanize its animal species. Shenron would likely be able to speak because all dragons are mythologically understood in Eastern culture to be well-versed in the languages of man. Think more smog than the dragons of, like, Reign of Fire is maybe one of the only other ones that I could very quickly pull out of the top of my head. I love that movie, by the way. Even further with the with the language, come forth and grant me my wish is like the phrase that Pilaf uses and that's said to summon Shenron, but it features throughout the series and Bulma even says you have to chant the right words to bring forth the dragon. This phrase isn't always exactly the same. So either Toriyama forgot the phrase in subsequent uses, which is entirely possible. He's notoriously like kind of lazy and doesn't always go back and read what he previously wrote. Or the idea is that it's less the words than the intent. You have to focus your inner will and your desire to really bring the dragon forth. Uh, Something to tuck into your brain for later, though, while we're on the semantics about language. Pilaf refers to Shenron as the dragon of God. This implies he's owned by God or a God. That's just something to tuck away for later. It might be important. Maybe. Maybe important. In future episodes, possibly. So some other little fun tidbits uh, about dragon lore. Uh, Shenron's antlers denote that he is male. Additionally, with regards to his biology, in China, three-fingered dragons are associated with lower class, four fingers with upper class, and five fingers are exclusively for use by the emperor. It's a capital offense to draw a five-fingered dragon for anything but the emperor's use. Japan, however, typically uses three dragons – or th- sorry, three fingers on their dragons most commonly. Pretty much all dragons, they don't really classify them in different ways. Toriyama, however, uses four to connect Shenron to his Chinese roots. Toriyama also initially made Shenron blue kind of as a nod to like old folklore about the Azure Dragon of the East. But the staff that worked on the anime decided to make him green, and then Toriyama just kind of went with it after that. Green can also be seen as a color of vibrance and vitality, so there's still kind of that tr- connection to uh, tradition. Right, and also the the antlers on Shenron. While we're on, while we're talking about that a little bit, they also denote that he's capable of hearing. Apparently, I guess if you ha- if you don't if a if a dragon does not have antlers, they can't hear or something. It's it's or he hears he hears through his antlers. If he ha- if he had no antlers but whiskers he would hear through his whiskers or something it's like there's some weird thing like that too um they got a lot of rules for their dragons they really do and it's it's kind of interesting right because that's a little more traditional we don't have stuff like that here i mean we we were talking before we before we started this episode about like western culture a lot of times confuse dragons and wyverns or wyverns and we each kind of 
may or may not take any umbrage with that, but like the general idea is Westerners don't really even care about the difference between two different creatures. While like yeah. uh, like in in China, if you draw a dragon with five fingers, you get your hands cut off. You know, like. <laughs> um, <laughs> But but speaking of all of this, like they're being layering to even the biology, there's layers to the wish granting as well. In Chinese Buddhist culture, dragons are often depicted with a jewel, I think in their head, that can cease one's suffering. And also, kind of separately, Buddhist monks quest after this mythological jewel that's associated with the Buddha himself that can cease one's desires entirely and help them achieve complete enlightenment these two things come together and conflate with each other and you can start seeing the connection to the magical wish granting dragon ball orbs and then on top of that we are now in terms of our setting of this story in a more centralized part of asia in the ottoman empire you see like that turkish influence on pilaf and his towers we're closing in on a more middle eastern feeling and so even with that there's a little bit of synchronicity with this place being where where it is geographically and our heroes having this wishing thing that kind of lines up a little bit with the story of Aladdin from a thousand one Arabian nights. So it's, it's just kind of a, it might be just a coincidence. It might be just an odd synchronicity, but you know, it's kind of a unique little connection there between those two things, the dragon and very specifically the wish itself are, are actually way less important unto themselves than what they represent. Uh, the idea of making any wish you want is supposed to be more of a learning tool for your mind and for some introspection. It causes you to reflect in on yourself and your own personality. You know, can you improve a weakness or character flaw? You focus in then more on why you might want a wish than really what you want. You think about your end goal with the wish and then you kind of backtrack the specific wish from there. Every wish our characters have in the show represents a character flaw of theirs. Bulma's lonely, so she wants a boyfriend. Yamcha lacks confidence, so he wants to be unafraid of women. Pilaf has a Napoleon complex, so he wants to rule the world. And Goku has that complete inner awareness and knows his own inner truth, so he he has no wish. And that never changes. Goku at no point in the show outside of like a very direct need of they have the dragon summoned and everyone will be like what should we wish for and goku will be like wish for this person to do this so that it can accomplish this very specific goal and everyone will go oh that that works you know goku never has a wish he has nothing that he wants because he's just at peace with himself so with all that in mind the, the question has to pop up in your brain. What would you wish for? And it's a tough question to answer because you want to do the thing of like being, you know, you're now we're talking in public to beings throughout the galaxy and you want to do the noble thing and say something very altruistic. But is that really what you would wish for? Would you wish for complete peace would you this wish for an end to suffering or would you wish for something kind of selfish <laughs> so my my thing because I, I this i'll be honest this isn't the first time i've had this question come up but my mind always goes to like the that story of the monkey's paw where like it grants a wish but then there's like some horrible horrible downside to it that you didn't anticipate 
later on in the series, like we see people wishing for like immortality and it's like, well, okay, but like, is it like you're impervious or you just survive no matter what? Cause you could just be, a, you know, beaten into a pile of goo, but if you're immortal, you're still alive and you have to survive that way. Right. Yeah. Like, uh, like you ever, have you ever I, seen death becomes her? Yes. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> Uh, you know, hole in your in your sternum, you know, head turned around 180 degrees, but you're alive. The other thought is like immense wealth. I always thought was kind of a, a rough wish to make because I feel like there'd be too many people interested in your sudden increase in wealth. Like governments worried about like, did you pay your taxes on it or hey, how did you get that money in the first place? And then like third cousins twice removed coming out of the woodwork asking for a loan and stuff. So I, I think if I were to pick something that I want, I think all I would do is go pretty small scale and just either a turkey like, sandwich. <laughs> yes. Or like a pair of underwear or something. <laughs> no, I was thinking like there was there was a, an idea I had a while back of like every time I reach into my pocket, I always pull the exact amount of cash I need for for whatever it is that I'm doing. OK. Because it's cash, so nobody can really track it. And then right. if it's like I'm only using it for like when I go to the store or something like that, it's, it's not going to seem real out of place. But then at the same time, I could also always go to like a car dealership and buy like, you know, a sweet car and just pull the wad of cash out of my pocket. <laughs> it's 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 the perfect wish. It's completely undetectable. <laughs> That's not bad. <laughs> I. I think in this this my wish my wish would conflate with uh conflate with if you could have any superpower but okay. I, but I really think my wish would be to have complete and total and utter mastery of time. Ooh, that's a good one. So like that's a really good one. So like you could you could Go anywhere you wanted in time. See anything you wanted anywhere in time. You could choose to live your life just normally. But like, think about, you know, you're 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 sitting at work. You're in a meeting. It really sucks, but you know, you you just have to do it. And you could just whatever, snap your fingers. It. Yeah, you could just snap your fingers, whatever, and not even necessarily skip the meeting. But like you can snap your fingers and freeze all of time and take a nap for 45 minutes. That would be pretty nice. And come back and be like, okay, I can do this now. So so would you like – is that how you'd activate it is snapping your fingers every time? I'm not sure. <laughs> I would prefer – I, I mean pref I also I also have other questions too. But I would, I would prefer if it could just be completely internal and completely mental because if you had to snap your fingers every time – then anytime you used it, see, I guess that's the other, like, anytime you used it for something really, really selfish, you know, like, say, cheating during a poker game or something, you would, <laughs> you would so totally get caught, you know, like, oh, every time this guy snaps his fingers, he ends up winning yeah. the hand. <laughs> how did, how, how does it, how does it work? What about with the time travel itself? Like, say, if you wanted to jump forward in time, would that be you'd be in the same spot forward in time, or would you be able to control your location as well? 
See, I think if you've got complete mastery of time, you do not also have complete mastery of space. I feel like you would, based on physics, because space and time are supposed to be intertwined. <laughs> huh. See, that's a question for, like, a Stephen Hawking. I mean, do we have a more of an understanding of, of space-time here? Where <laughs> I mean, we are an advanced alien, you know, coalition. I, I feel like we probably do. I don't have that though. Well, it's I would say I would I would default towards no. You do not necess- You do not necessarily have you know mastery of where you're located. So like, there's a movie that just came out, and and this is this is kind of a fun episode because we're just talking in general now. But there's a movie that came out not that long ago called Synchronic. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. Okay, the the very briefly the basic idea is you take this drug, and if you have like a I think it's like an undeveloped pineal gland or something. Your pineal pineal gland hasn't hardened over yet. Whatever. Some, one of those kind of things like that. It takes you either backwards or forwards potentially in time. And where you're standing dictates how far back you get thrust in time. So like this, this character, like he stands in a certain spot and he gets like shoved back to the ice age. But he's in that that geographic location. Gotcha. It's Anthony Mackie who's playing him. At one point, he gets thrown back in time to like the, I don't know, the the 1700s or something. And it's Louisiana in the 1700s. And he's a black guy. Oh, that's not going to go well for him. Yeah, exactly. So, so I'm more more of the idea of that. Like if if you wanted to visit a very specific, significant historical event with your complete mastery of time, you would have to get yourself to that location first. Gotcha. Okay. I mean, that makes sense. So here's another question for you. What happens when you either skip forward or backwards in time? Do you just disappear like to a, to a third party? Like if they were watching you, would you just disappear and then reappear at a different time? Or would it be like click where like your body's on autopilot until it catches up to you? I think it wouldn't really work if you're going backwards. I think it has to be with you essentially disappearing, right? Although, see, I think if you've got complete mastery of time, you experience time differently, like like Dr. Manhattan. That's a fair point. Right? So you you both experience time and no time at the exact same time. So you're just like – so really you're, you're talking about just like wishing to become a higher dimensional being or something. Yes, which I understand would have its own drawbacks because yeah, I've probably, seen – but I feel like I feel like being able to control time is a pretty big win in your column. Because I've watched Watchmen and I've read the graphic novel and I've watched the HBO Max version of Watchmen and I've, I've, <laughs> I've seen how frustrating – his existence is. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. But no, I just I, I think I think it's an interesting thought thought experiment. And I think it's, you know, like you said, we've seen characters throughout this show talk about immortality a lot. Right. At one point, oh, yeah. Vegeta wants to wish for it. At one point, Lord Frieza, Hail Frieza, wants wants to wish for it. The interesting thing is uh and we're kind of jumping ahead here a little bit, talking about other people making wishes. But the interesting thing for me 
was that every the the Namekians, Lord Slug and Lord Piccolo, both wish for their youth before immortality. Because why would you want to live life twice? I've seen enough. <laughs> or, you know, like, why would you want to live forever? I've, I've seen enough. <laughs> well, my, my thought is that they didn't want to live forever as old men, which makes sense. Yeah. But it's also kind of interesting that, like, is there no way to word it where you get both at the same time? Or does it have to be two I mean, I think wishes? there's probably a way to word it like that, but obviously Toriyama just wants to play with, you know, he wants to set it up to make it seem like there's not. Uh, true, true, true. But yeah, no, it, yeah, I wouldn't want to be immortal. The The immortality wish, I would, I'd like to talk about that for a little bit, because you brought up the, the physical damage portion, which is interesting. Yeah. But if you think about it, if you lived forever, eventually you would reach a point in your life where you have more or less done everything you've ever wanted to do, essentially, right? You've, True. You've probably picked up several dozen hobbies. You've probably become a master of several of them. You probably speak dozens of languages. You have probably seen nearly every movie you want to see, read every book you want to read, Time ceases to have any meaning, and at a certain point, you lose your connection to the human experience or the our race experience for our not, race. Not to mention, and you're you're talking about like just boredom, but also think about well, like the despair and depression as like everyone you know slowly ages and dies before your eyes over and over and over again for eternity. That too, but also at a certain point you have to become just a absolute monster like who has no morals and no moral compass anymore because you've become so bored and nothing matters anymore. That's very very possible, yeah. That it doesn't it doesn't matter if you ruin someone's life cuz they're just going to die anyways. <laughs> like, <laughs> and you're not. You know, that's the the immortality wish is a is a is a messy miserable one to wish for. I could see it working only in an instance where that same person re, uh, again collects the dragon balls and somehow like hides them away or keeps other people from getting to them so that at some point, some indeterminate point in the future, when you're finally sick of it all, you can summon the dragon again and just go, end me. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, yeah. But there's there's been a lot of things that have, that have focused in on that kind of issue with immortality, too, of, like, just eventually you just get, like, bored. If you've ever seen the, the show The Good Place. Oh, yeah. That talks about, like, you know, heaven being boring this ties pretty heavily like into the into the 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 actual ending of the show and and how the idea of like eternal paradise being kind of horrifying if all of your needs are always met and you sort of just become this brain dead what's the word i'm looking for it's a latin word for like somebody that that is constantly in search of just uh, like physical pleasure i can't remember the word for it though hedonist Hedonist, yes, that's the one. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, it, you like become this sort of brainless hedonist, and and like it, everything just becomes blasé. Whereas their solution to the problem is, up oh, major spoilers. If you don't want to, 
don't want to know the end to the show, skip ahead a little bit. But the, the solution is to have a way out for people. Right. Eventually. Right. And I think that's that's kind of what we're touching on here is, is, is it's really only viable if there's a way out at some point because I'm with you. If the if the depression doesn't get you, the boredom definitely will. Right. And it's it's interesting with Dragon Ball kind of circle like this first wish becomes more of a, a race against the clock. And a few of them later do too also, but like this one kind of becomes more of a I want to rule the world, I don't want to you know, I don't want him to rule the world, whatever. Future wishes for a while from this point on become very much about life and whether it's bringing someone back from the dead or prolonging one's life right i mean i feel like the next like several wishes that get made within the show are like giving someone back their youth bringing someone back to life i want to wish for immortality bringing another person back to life bringing these people back to life bringing that like that that's that becomes sort of the running theme for a long time in this show and I mean, it makes sense because I, I would think that anybody exposed to you get one wish, you get whatever you want, no no strings attached. I think some variation of I want to live a long time is probably what most people would initially think of without, you know, getting into like, well, what are the drawbacks of it? Yeah. Like having to live a long time. Um, <laughs> see, we're we're jaded cynics, so that's that's why we're not. There, but, there is one other thing I, w- I did want to talk about with this first wish as well is is the eventual fallout of it. Well, I guess I guess it's really partially next episode as well. But like like we touched on earlier, there's this all this build up for like ten episodes of like, oh, we want to get our wish, we want to get our wish, we want to get our wish, and it it's it ends up being for a pair of panties. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I like it. It's, it's a funny joke. I, I think it's a it's a great way to diffuse the situation of the wish without resulting in your heroes either getting something that would later screw up the plot and also without letting the villain be, get what they want and becoming so powerful that they become a thing that you have to deal with all the time. Um, and it, it puts the, the series in this nice little spot where – Oddly enough, a lot of the characters get what they were after anyway. Right. And it allows Toriyama to to move on and then like try try new things, which eventually becomes pretty important as a lot of this Dragon Ball stuff and the lore with the dragon and everything sort of kind of starts to recede a little bit and it starts to focus more on becoming, you know, a, a battle shonen, essentially. Right. We're gonna talk about that, I think probably not next episode but the episode after that i think we're gonna do like a recap of this saga and i think we'll get we'll probably delve into that a lot more of talking about like what this ending really could have meant because this this without getting too deep into it this could have been just the end of the manga really you know toriyama thought it might be at one point so this like this could have been just the straight up end uh, this could have been, you know, like we said, a, a jumping point for further. Like it's 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 a really good ending in that way. It leaves you open, but it's also got like a very final kind of feeling to it. And so we'll we'll talk about a lot of that. Uh, the one thing that that I wanted to bring up too is 
back a little bit just back to my point of like the next several wishes become all about life and living and everything one of the things i really like about dragon ball super is i think we've gotten away from that a little bit at least in the couple seasons that i've seen and yes the the wishes still are very much like kind of about bringing people back but it's more about kind of writing injustices without spoiling supers uh, universe six versus seven arc very much the wish that gets made and the culmination of that arc and the wish that gets made in the culmination of the the tournament of power they're both extremely unselfish which wishes and i really like that because as unselfish as you could say it is to like you know, bring someone back from the dead who was murdered, especially in some of the stuff in Z, where these wishes that bring people back have sort of the added benefit. Wishing people back on like a global scale, yeah. <laughs> well, and they and they have like the added benefit of you know helping to fight the bad guy. They still, at their core, have that bit little bit of selfishness to them, right? Of like, I want my friend back. The wishes that yeah. are made in Super do not benefit the people making the wish at all. And it's, I, I could enjoy that. It's, that's kind of a neat twist on it to, to get, you know, to get to that point. And then back to the thing about the panties. That is actually one of my, one of the story elements from GT that I really, really like. Um, oh, was the, the, the selfishness building up within the dragon balls and, Creating this weird, bizarro monster. Yes, that and... So, for those who haven't seen or aren't familiar with GT at all, one of the plot lines that happens in GT is that the overuse of the Dragon Balls breaks them. And out of them come a bunch of evil dragons that our characters then have to fight. I like... It's it's actually one of GT's better and maybe, maybe very few actually genuinely really funny moments. They go to fight this one dragon... And they're like, so which wish, which wish were you born out of? And he's like, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> That's the panties wish. Yeah, and they're like, why don't you want to talk about it? And he's like, because I don't want to talk about it. And they're like, oh, you were the, you're the panties guy. <laughs> <laughs> that is legitimately funny, though. That's that's a good that's. That's I, a good I'll story agree with that. As much as I loathe GT, I, I think that storyline was probably one of the better ones that they've had, like without question. Oh, I mean, it's one of the only ones in GT that's like not just a rehash of something that was already done. Also true. But yeah, that's, that's wishes and wishing and Shenrons and Shenlongs and dragons. And I don't know. I mean, it's, it's an interesting thought experiment. I mean, do your own on, on your time, you know, kind of think about what you would, what you would wish for and you know like we said the the potential drawbacks to it i mean even even bikini's wish about pulling any amount of money out of his pocket that he needs in any given situation i think at a certain point you know if you reached into your pocket and pulled out 2.6 million dollars to buy a house there would there would be some questions (laughs) no 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 i just continually go to the hardware store and just buy materials (laughs) And then I pay a bunch of people per day. See, this is how, see, you're not thinking outside the box, man. And then, yeah, the, the mastery of time thing. I mean, especially with the stipulation that you have to go anywhere, right? If you, you would have to do some research before you travel too far back, right? Very you know, 
you want to go back and see dinosaurs you better make sure you're not you're not teleporting yourself into a volcano into an or, ocean or uh don't be like in the northern hemisphere if you decide you want to go back and check out the ice age because odds are you'll show up encased in ice right so there's there's all kinds of things like that right but i mean it's a it's an interesting really honestly it's not even so much the mastery of time that that I want. It's just there are some days where I'm so tired. I just want to pause everything and take a 40 minute nap. <laughs> that's fair. That's that's, fair. that's what it's all about. It's all about how tired I am and I just need more sleep. But so that, yeah, I, I you know, do your own thought thought experiment with it i think it's it's kind of interesting to talk about and even if you don't you know maybe you learned something about shenron that you didn't previously know i mean i i certainly did as i was researching some of this stuff and i'll say i've i've even left some of it on the cutting room floor we will potentially talk about it maybe some other time i mean shenron obviously shows up again and again and again uh i had i had no inkling this this show was about a dragon at all (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's it's pretty cool stuff. I don't know. You got any other thoughts? I I got nothing right now. That that I I'm I'm pretty happy with my wish. I think that's a good one. <laughs> Say, do you think this Dragon Ball show is taking place on Earth? What would make you think that? Well, it doesn't seem like a very significant planet if a child Saiyan is one of its strongest warriors. We know Earth is of little significance. Also, there's a Saiyan on it who's never once reported to Lord Frieza. He doesn't even know he's a Saiyan. The pieces all seem to fit. Maybe Lord Frieza isn't even interested in the Saiyan. Maybe he's interested in the dragon. Edited by Lord Frieza for our listeners' safety. They have to realize this just makes us more suspicious, right? What makes us more suspicious? Oh, come on. I suggest that the Dragon Balls might be what Frieza actually cares about. Wow, can't believe that one got through. And I get edited? And you go to the bathroom with an ear slug and come out totally fine and maybe even more insubordinate. What's your point? You cannot possibly be this dense. Of course I can. My extreme body mass, given my size, is part of what gives me as much fighting power as I have. No, that's not what I... Look, I'm just saying, why do you think Frieza cares so much about Earth? Because a Saiyan went there? You know Lord Frieza has always had a special interest in knowing where all Saiyans are at all times. Yeah, what's the deal with that anyway? Is he, like, scared of them? Hardly. One just has to make sure to keep the most dangerous dogs on a leash, right? Right. So the Saiyans are dangerous to Lord Frieza? His reputation, yeah. Think of what a Saiyan's capable of. So much more nastiness than our Lord ever allows or partakes in. You know how harshly he said to deal with Saiyans who do not maintain the peace with all the pride and honor of a Frieza Force member. Do I? We've only been working together for a few days. Well, you do now. And now that Bikini knows, and you all out there know as well that our Lord Frieza fears nothing and tolerates no evil within his organization, we'll take our leave of you, listeners. Yeah, I've got a body to dump into space anyway. Did Bikini not flush after using the bathroom? Will we ever locate Earth? What treasures will it hold for us if we ever make it there? Find out next time and help us achieve our final forum.
Storm is written and produced by Tom Gwelly. It is performed by Dan Kinney and Tom Gwelly. Our webmaster is Dan Kinney. Our theme music is provided by YouTube content creator GVG Kit. Want to learn more about the Dragon Ball universe, including concept art, behind-the-scenes interviews, and recommendations from Jelly and Bikini? Connect with us on social media. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Final Forum Pod. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you receive your podcasts. And of course, make sure to share with your friends and family and help us spread the word of the glory of Lord Frieza. The Frieza Force thanks you for your listenership. 